It's Real Talk with Raylene Chalinor, foster care and adoption. Hi, and welcome back to another Real Talk. I'm your host, Raylene Chaloner, and this is Real Talk with real people about foster care and adoption. And if you were with me last week, well, thank you so much. And if you weren't, well, why not? I got to interview Prescott, Arizona's royal family, Greg and Sheila Mangarelli, and it was so fun. And they're here with me again because, boy, we were just getting started. So... Team Mangarelli, they are foster and adoptive parents. Last time we were together, we sort of just kind of talked about how the Lord brought their paths together, how Greg proposed, and all that really fun stuff. And this episode, I want to focus more on their foster and adoption adoption journey. So Greg and Sheila Mangarelli, thank you so much for being here again. Thank Thank you. Appreciate you guys so much. Um, Last time, we got to talk a little bit about camp ministry UCYC is the camp that you guys minister to and with and for here in Prescott, Arizona. And Greg, that was kind of your full-time thing, right? And then the mayor thing happened after that. And then Sheila, you shared with me when we first met how the Lord just kind of made it possible for you to help support and um, provide for your family through getting your real estate license. So just give a little shout out to who you work for. Um, Yamauchi Real Estate. Yay. For Hi, guys. about 16 years. <laughs> and so the Lord provided that and uses your gifts. I know because I've been on the receiving end of those gifts through my agency, Christian Family Care. You were the agent that helped us find our adorable office that we love. So thank you for that. I love it. Absolutely. Yes. So, um, but you are, we're foster parents and adoptive parents. And how many kiddos have you guys adopted? So we started out with five biological children. And then as soon as the youngest one was about five, six, seven, somewhere in that range is when we uh, got together and talked about fostering and adopting. We really primarily just wanted to adopt. But when we counseled with other parents who had done the same, they were just challenging us that most kids who end up being adoptable, if you go with a domestic adoption, mm-hmm. um, have been in the foster care system for months, years, usually, right. before that adoption happens. And so it made sense that if you wanted the shot of being in their lives as early as possible, and hopefully to circumvent as much trauma as possible, right. that you might be their first point of contact with the foster system. Mm-hmm. So that's really why we decided to do the foster to adopt route. Okay. We've actually never had a foster child leave our home. So any child that's ever come into our home, really? either adopted or in Kane's case, graduated yeah. high school. So yeah, we've never wow. had the revolving door. It just so happened that every kid that came state, which is not the typical story. No, it's not. And I, I don't think that I knew that. Yeah, but it just happens to be yeah, our story. And who was the first one that said, hey, guess what? I think God is calling us to do this. <laughs> Sheila says it was me. Yeah, so. but it was. <laughs> you, you don't remember that because well, you don't want to take credit for this crazy lifestyle. Uh, well, don't put that on depends me. Depends on the day. <laughs> That's exactly right. I think, you know, the genesis of that, I'm thinking about my parents and they a couple different times had kids in the home that we would care for for longer periods of time. Uh, it wasn't foster officially, right? but uh, Justin Neighbor, I remember, shared a bedroom with him uh, through middle school and in a little bit of high school, oh, and, yeah. and there were a few others. And so I think that was kind of the genesis of seeing it in my own family. Yes. And then there was this kind of cool show that we like to watch called Extreme 
makeover. Totally remember that. Edition. Wasn't it Ty? Every Sunday uh, night. Ty the yeah, host. Ty, loved yeah. him. Adorable. Yeah, we just loved, we loved the yep. stories, I think, of helping people yeah. with something really practical like a home. And many of the families that they would help had foster and or adopted children. And yeah, so that's right. that was kind of inspiring too, just to see those families mm-hmm. and see the impact that they were making on those kids' lives. And then obviously, uh, as we all know, as Christians, pure religion is taking care of the orphan and the widow. Yeah. And I think that's been a motivator for us as well, just to you know be able to lift up that Bible verse and try to do our best to attain it. Yes. And in pleading ignorance, I would have to say that America does a great job of kind of hiding our orphans. Yes. We tuck them away in these foster homes and you just don't yeah. even realize that the need exists until you kind of amazingly, how, uh, what, a, what a huge need there is for foster parents. Yeah. You don't know. I've never driven past an orphanage. Right. I, I just always think we hide them. We don't yes. even. We call them group homes. Right. 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 But you, you can't just go in and kind of browse around and no. pick out a child like right. you picture it being overseas. Yes. So it was that show helped bring to light after one of the shows that said New Jersey has this many children up for adoption. I'm like, what? And that's wow. a small little state. And so it just yes. was like eye opening. The need. Oh, how neat that the Lord used mm-hmm. that show in your guys' lives. Know, not even a Christian show, really. No. You know, yeah. yeah, and used good old sweet tie. <laughs> <laughs> right. With the great hair back then. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, and so can you guys, if you can remember back, because you said you know, none of the foster kids left the home. So your fostering with them was kind of short-lived before they were adopted, I'm assuming. But was there one struggle, something that comes to mind, like the biggest struggle in the system or <laughs> with with whatever in regards to fostering? I think probably the biggest struggle we faced in that process was probably the fact that two of our girls are Navajo. And so you Working. ended up dealing with ICWA, Indian right. Child Welfare Act, and trying to figure out, right. are they involved? Are they not involved? Are they only involved to say no? Or are they actually kind of here to try to help figure out what to do with our girls? Yes. We didn't really intend to adopt again. And it just got down after two years. It became evident that I just didn't feel like because one, you know, since Keisha was completely deaf, I felt like, but we live in Prescott, God, the ministry's here we're not leaving here. How do you educate a deaf child in Prescott? So that was a real struggle of thinking, how can this be your plan for them? But I think ultimately when you get through that two-year process, he just works on you day by day by day. Yeah. Because on day one, I've been like, no way, I can't do that. Right. Um, And after day 700, (sighs) you realize, you know, we got through the last 700 days. Maybe he'll provide tomorrow too. And so you just realize that we don't feel like we're their best option, but we may be the best option that they're going to get. And it may be just part of God's plan. Yes. Oh, I love that. That was uh, an interesting two years. Greg, would you say yes and amen to that struggle? Or do you have a different one of your own that you felt like, hmm, mine was different? Yeah, not just one point in time. I would just say, you know, we worked really hard to parent our our five bios well. We did the Growing Kids God's Way classes and all those different classes and (laughs) taught those classes. Yeah. Had a full handle on how to parent. Yep. Uh, we thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then with foster and adopt, it's just a whole different set of rules. Enter and, trauma, and, right? Yeah. Yes. It's just, I think we, we learned early on about brain trauma and just what happens from zero to two yeah. uh, in a home. Whereas we thought getting 
Lauren at 20 months, mm. oh gosh, she's she's a baby. This is going to be great. Right. Um, and little did we know the kind of trauma that she had gone through I and know. how that affects the brain. Yes. Uh, those first critical months of their life. Yep. So I think, you know. And before. Yeah, yeah and I think, before. Yeah, even in the womb. And I think it's it's really just like humbling to learn how to love these kids, how to nurture them, how to point them to Jesus. And, and it, it's, uh, it's been humbling for me to uh, really understand how to best parent these kids. It's mm. a totally different ballgame. Yeah. Did you feel you were um, supported in that? Like, did you feel you had classes available? Did you, it was a trial by fire? Um, I know this was going back a while, and, and we've really tried to work hard as agencies to bring mm-hmm. better trauma-informed care. But We attended several of those, mm-hmm. many of those, read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you can understand why it happens. Right. But I don't know that there's a lot of great answers about there about what to do with it. When you're in it. <laughs> right. Yes. So you can understand why, yep. but now what is, where does that leave me? Yes. And that's where we're at even now. Right. Is like, yeah. well, we get why. Yep. And we get it's not their fault and we get all this stuff. But, but, but now is, help me yes. to get from here to adulthood. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. I just had beyond, a, yep. you know, I just had a conversation with another adoptive mom about that very thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Today. Well, um, what about after you ended up adopting, uh, what was maybe the biggest struggle or maybe still is mm-hmm. one of the biggest struggles within adoption? I would say just that. Yeah. It's the continually trying to figure out. Still working with the trauma. What works. Yeah. What works. And, you know, and they're also different. You know, you have kids that you would expect them to just be an absolute mess because of what you know they went through. Yes. And they get along just fine. Right. You just don't know. And it's better that you don't know. You can tell people before they decide to jump into like this and try to help them be, you know, prepared. Right. And yet I just think a lot of that is just, listen, you can't be prepared for all of it. Right. It it may work out. It may not. That's not why God called you to do it. Mm. He didn't call you to be their savior. He called you just to obey him and do what he called you to do today. And you have to trust God with those results. Yes. You can't go in thinking you're just going to be the end all. Mm, Sheila, that's good. Yeah, I think I think just the growth and change in their lives is very small, incremental, three steps forward, two back kind of yes. thing. Yes. So, you know, with, with our bios, we would get, for the most part, kind of immediate results and they would respond. And yeah. it's just a longer, harder road yeah. with adopted kids. Mm-hmm. It just is. And, and that's okay. We have seen progress. Yep. It just doesn't move as fast. Right. Yes. Oh, I totally get that. You guys, uh, uh, kind of along those lines, what about any advice or words of wisdom for our foster adoptive tribe out there? Or maybe for those who are considering jumping in. Well, I'm always amazed how many people that have done it once go back and do it again. Yeah. And so I think you have to let that testimony speak for itself. Mm -hmm. Because I think that as hard as it is, and you can't underestimate how hard it can be, it's also proof in the pudding that they decide to do it again. That they understand that there are rewards there and that you feel like you're making a difference. And that as long as you are going through this life thinking, I need to make this my best life now, I only get one chance at life, then you're very, you're, 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 those people are usually not the people that are going to step out and say, I want to adopt. It's the people who are saying, I'm only here for this amount of time. I need to make it count. Yes. I need to do the most I can while I'm here. Mm. And I think that's the mindset that are the people who actually go the direction of deciding to sacrifice 
their time, their energy, their resources to do foster and adoption. Mm. People also worry about their bio kids as it's going to be harmful to yes. them. Yes. And there are things you have to weigh there for sure. Okay. But if you're just talking about they have to share their parents, they have to share the resources, yeah. they have to share their room. I always tell my kids, I'm like, listen, if this all works out, you're going to share a room the rest of your life. Right. Let's start now. <laughs> No problem with practicing. So, yes. you know, it's just better. You end up usually with less selfish kids the more they've had to kind of lay it down from the beginning. Do you see that now? I mean, you have several kids who've flown the nest, mm-hmm. and you see that in them, you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think my my advice is Jesus called us to take care of orphans. Yeah. But he didn't say it was going to be easy. No. And it's not. Um, it's very rewarding, but it's difficult. And yeah. I think... Our tribe, we call it a supper club, uh, that we connect with regularly, is just a huge resource. You know, you can't do this alone. No. And you've got to have the right kind of network that you can go to uh, to cry and laugh with those people and yes. get advice and help yes. and resources. Pray for each other. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I think that that's a real, really important element for us, I know, as our supper club. Mm. That, you know, everybody in there is touched, foster and adopt. And so it's, uh, it's encouraging to be around yeah. those folks and share your struggles and your, your uh, victories as well. Yeah. Oh, that's good, you guys. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. Tell us now what you know uh, about God now through kind of coming on the other side of foster care and adoption. What do you know about him to be true in your life now that maybe you didn't know previously to the foster and adoption journey Mm. is there one thing that stands out about his character or love is a choice Ooh, and i think you i knew that before and heard that before but i don't think i'd ever had to practice it before because loving greg is so easy right yes (laughs) in all honesty i never felt like it was a choice i mean i always felt like it was the feeling was there and i know that's rare and weird and i should not even say it no but that's why you're going on 30 years right but sometimes you know Loving is a choice and loving well Mm. is definitely a choice. Yes. I would say that's something that I probably knew and heard and might have said, but didn't understand it Uh Mm -hmm. till this journey. That's good. Yeah. I think I have a better understanding of God's grace. You Mm. know, um, these kids need so much love and grace and I, I, I can just imagine the grace God has given me Mm -hmm. and, um, these kids uh, need need a lot of grace, yes. and, and God so freely gives it. And I just think I have a better sense of His grace by having these kids in our home. Mm, that's so good. Thank you. What about Him showing up and showing off in your guys' lives, or maybe in the lives of your kids? Where have you seen God just really where you both were like, wow, that God just showed up right there and did that for us? I would say that has to do with getting Keisha into school in the Valley. Okay. I, it, she goes to Phoenix Day School for the Deaf. Well, that happens to be a school that even though it's state funded, you yeah. can't just choose to send your child there. You can't say, hey, I have a deaf child. Let me send my child there. Okay. You have to go through all these proper channels, which wow. meant we had to buy a home in the Valley that wow. was in a certain radius of the school. Right. We had to enroll her in that home school. Then we had to go through the whole process there of making them refer her, which they didn't want to do. We had to hire an attorney to try to make that happen. We had to get our son, who willingly did it, Aww. had to become her legal guardian just so she could go to that school so that they didn't sue us. Wow. It was a very, it was quite the struggle, but the fact that God, A, made it even possible for yes. us to buy a house in the Valley is right. 
crazy in and of itself. And now she'll be able to go to school there for the rest of her high school, you know, well, middle school. She's middle school now in high school. And she needs that. She didn't even have a first language when she came to us so far behind. So she absolutely needs that community and needs that school. Yes. And he just continues to provide a way for her to go to that school. Oh, my gosh, Without us having to relocate the whole family. Yes, I have goosebumps. So that's how the rest of the family is all helped in, you know. Yes. just stepped up. And the next kid's like, I'll I'll go down there next when, you know. You guys. Good. Wow. Yeah. That's definitely a team. You said teaming. Yes. Yes. It is a team. You guys are a team. Same thing for you, Greg, seeing God work through that or was something different maybe? Yeah. The the thing I'm thinking about is, is Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. I have to take a stop here. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. I think with Brooklyn, it was just her desire uh, that God put in her heart that we get the second uh, adopted girls, the, the second set, if you will, yeah. of the girls, after we'd adopted uh, Gavin and Lauren, she was just adamant that uh, we adopt again. Uh, and she'd written a paper. Mm, trying to persuade us yeah. that this is what needed to happen and yeah. why and the statistics of orphans and all this stuff. Oh, and gosh, her heart guys. was just all in it. She was all in it. And oh, she, I mean, she let a baby share her room when she was oh. like in middle school. I mean, Wow. 100%. She would babysit anytime Any I needed time. it to, you know. Yeah. Just, I mean, she was such a mother yeah. spirit anyway. Yes. But, but yeah. That oh, was, that um, is. What a testimony to you yeah. guys. She would have, she would have absolutely taken over and cared <laughs> yes. as long as she was here. <laughs> yes. That's right. Wow. So. Wow. Use her in a mighty way. Mm-hmm. Love that. Okay. Well, we are closing this out, Team Mangarelli. Anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? Something that you didn't get to say that you wish you could have that people need to know? Yeah, I just think it is so important that we recruit folks to do foster adopt. Yeah. There's so many opportunities, so many kids that need to be in a home. Mm. And the church really, um, I hope, will step up even more. Yes. And take care of these kids. Yes. It's a real need. It is. And clearly we didn't do it because we felt like we just needed more children. It's We just had this innate sense that every kid deserves a family. Yeah. Even beyond what God says, it's yeah. just clear that every kid deserves a family. Wow. So if you've got, you know, a strong family unit, yep. then you can do it. Mm, that's so good. All right, you guys. Well, we're going to wrap this up. That's been another episode of Real Talk. Thank you so much to the Mangarellis for being so upfront and honest. The show's called Real Talk. And I am your host, Raylene Challoner, and it's bye for now. With a name like Zebrascapes, you've got to be good at what you do. So what does Zebrascapes do? Just listen. They can create the yard of your dreams. From design and installation to maintenance, weed control, irrigation and yard cleanup, to tree care services. Zebrascapes Landscaping and Services, it says it all, and they do it all. Read all about them at zebrascapes.com or get the conversation started at 928-830-4061. Zebrascapes. Hey ladies, if you feel the need to truly connect with other women in our community, maybe the place is Culture Salon because it's all about the culture that makes each visit one that lifts your spirit. A salon on its own is just a building. It's what happens on the inside that counts. It's about so much more than just hair. Designer cuts, premium color, natural beaded row extensions, and more. Culture Salon, 1454 West Gurley or call 928-830-1325.